Psalm 31, David is going through a hard time. I mean, let's be honest. Can, can any of you in here testify and say, Pastor Tony, right now I am going through a hard time. Raise your hand right now. Be honest in here. Maybe the people around you need to see your hand and be praying for you as you go through a hard time. It's important for us to be transparent. David in this passage, he just starts explaining. He said, hey, God, I'm going through a hard time. He starts expressing his frustration and his weariness and everything that was going on in his life. And he was just worn out. He was absolutely worn out. But then he starts explaining who his God was. In the middle of the turmoil, in the middle of the stress, in the middle of the complication, he begins to, to, to tell about his God. You know, there's, it's different after you get to know somebody when you, when you understand who God is. I, I can remember when uh, I was getting ready to ask Jenny out. I know a lot of you guys have heard this story. Jenny and Logan, my family, they're not with us right now. Jenny and Logan are actually at the hospital right now. Uh, so you guys keep praying for them as we figure out what's going on with Logan. Is he sick right now? And uh, they're, they're trying to figure that out. But uh, I, I remember back when, uh, tw- over 25 years, when I told the guys, I said, I'm going to ask that girl Jenny out. And I remember building it up and in my head, I didn't know, I, I didn't know her character. I, I didn't know what her likes and her dislikes. I didn't know her fears. I, I didn't know any of that. So I'm approaching this situation in the dark because I didn't understand who she was. I didn't, I didn't know the opening statement to make. So I remember going up to her and I said, hey, and I was waiting for that opportunity. And I said, there's this thing going on in the college and things. I was wondering if you would go with me to that thing. Her natural response was she turned and laughed at me. That's what she did. She laughed at me. And, and back then, man, I took it as a punch in the gut. I was like, holy cow. I mean, she's got... You know, all this eye candy in front of her. I don't understand why she's not like just excited about this opportunity and and things. But see, here's the thing that I didn't know then. I didn't know her nervous reaction to something was the laugh. Now now it's a matter if if I see that situation, I know exactly what's going on. I'm thinking, oh, that's just Jenny. You say, how do you know that? I know her. I I know what I can ask of Jen. I know what her limits are. And I know if I found... A, um, a, a recipe about something that was just incredible. I know this about my wife. I could give her that recipe and she could make it. It would be awesome. You say, how do you know that? I, I've been with her long enough that I know her character. I know what she's capable of doing. I know what her limits are. I know if I asked Jenny to come up here and sing a song, she'd be in her comfort zone. I can tell you if I asked Jenny to come up here and give a speech, she would fall apart. She, cannot, she does not like public speaking. So how do you know that? Over the years, I have a reputation of getting to know my wife. She's my wife. It's personal. I have a connection. I, I wonder how many of you know my God. Yeah, I'm making it personal right now, Okay. Can I do that? I know he's your God, but I'm telling you about my God. I, I can tell you my God and what he's capable of doing. I, 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 I know that he has no limits, and I, I, I know that he's stable and stability and faithful, and he's good. I know all this. And you say, I don't know that about God. And sometimes we have misconceptions when it comes to God. People on the outside, just like me asking Jenny out the first time, you're just like, well, I don't even know if God would love me the way he loves all those church people because I've not been in church. You don't know my God because God loves you as much as he loves me. He loves those people serving in prison right now. He loves those that are on death row right now as much as he loves me. That's my God. 
You sit there and say, I don't know if God answers my prayers because I'm not as good as praying or I'm not as faithful as praying or last week I did something bad and and, and we have all these preconceived ideas about God. Let let me tell you, the more you get to know God, the more you're going to know his character and know how to approach him because he becomes your God. Not a distant, not not just a theory, not just the facts that you've heard in church, but he becomes personal as your God. You need to know him. Do you know why you need to know him? Because it's easy in church to stand up and sing and say, he's a way maker and man, how good is my God? And I'm going to praise God and I'm going to shout and I'm going to do all this. But you need to understand that he's as much your God in the valley as he is on the mountaintop. Because I promise you this, you're all going to be there. You're all going to be there. We have some misconceptions about Christianity that Christians, when you serve God, don't go through hard times. Can I tell you that every one of us go through hard times? He said, why is that? Well, because we live in a cursed world and we have a constant enemy constantly trying to drag us down. It, it, that's, that's just the truth. So you sit there and say, I'm going through a hard time. I think God's mad at me. You're going through a hard time because you're alive and you live in a broken world. It's just the way that it is. David exposes all of these griefs and these heartaches that he's going through. But he says in verse 14, we'll, we'll, st- we'll start over here in a minute, but let me show you verse 14. But in the middle of this, but I trusted in thee. You notice the, even the conversation of how he's doing this. He's like, but I trusted in you, God. Because I said, you, thou art my God. Do you understand what that means? Now here David is going through a really hard time. And I think it's important for us to understand that David was going through a hard time because you need to know who God is in the hard times. You need to understand that God is as real in those situations as he is on the mountaintops. And so David is a, or God allows David to write and be able to expose this. So let me just break this into two parts. And, and first of all, just start off how David is expressing that my struggles are real. He starts talking about the faithfulness of God in the second part or as he gets into this. But I, I, I can't deny as he's doing this, as David is just saying, my struggles are real. You can love and follow God and have authentic, real struggles in your life. The question is, how did David handle his struggles? Can I say this? And I want you guys to get this as we go through this. And I'll, I'll really land this at the end. A lot of our struggles are, are, are really up here. This is, this is where they're at. And the, the, a lot of the descriptions of what it is. So notice this as he says this. He's making these declarative statements about God in the midst of the distress that he's explaining. So verse 1, he says to the Psalm of David, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Amen. Bow down not ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock. For a house of defense to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net that they have laid privily for me, for thou art my strength. Man, listen to the deliver me. He says later, he says, I'm in trouble. He says, listen to me. He's, he's crying out to God in this desperation. He's crying out to God in this desperate brokenness that he's in. 
Can, can I just describe this brokenness and maybe you'll identify with this and you're just saying, well, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm so broken. I, I, I'm, I'm not a good Christian or I, I messed this whole thing up. Let, let, me, let me lay it out for you. He says in verse 34, or chapter 31, verse 4, pull me out of this net. He's, he's given this description. He felt trapped. So being real. Have you guys ever been in a situation where you feel like people would come up to meet you and just say, it's going to be okay. You know, don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. But in your situation, you feel so trapped that no matter what you do, it's like those movies where, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean or whatever, and they drop into the net and it pulls them up into, you know, and they're, they're stuck in there. It's like sitting there saying, it's going to be okay. And they're standing there saying, listen, I can't get out. I can't get down. I can't move forward. I can't get out of this. I am stuck. David felt stuck. There's nothing that I can do to change my situation. I've tried everything that I possibly can do. I am stuck. He said, verse 9, have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Mine eyes have is consumed with grief, yea, my soul and my belly. David felt overwhelmed. He said, I am in trouble. I am consumed with grief. Man, I am completely overwhelmed as I go through this. He said, my eye is consumed with grief. Have you guys ever just got to the point where you were constantly crying? And I know some of you guys don't cry. You're manly men. But I'm saying is for the emotion, going through this situation with Logan, I, I have found myself's crying, you can make fun of me, a lot more than I've ever cried in all my life. It's something, and he describes that. He said, my soul and my belly. It is internal. I am sick. I am nauseous. I am consumed. I can't get it off my mind. I can't run from it. And I'm completely overwhelmed with grief. That's where I'm at. I'm overwhelmed. So my eye is consumed with grief. Give my soul and my belly. It's internal, it's spiritual, emotional, physical. My soul and my belly. He describes this grief as he's talking about this. He said, my life is spent in grief, verse 10, for years with sighing. My strength faileth because of my iniquity and my bones are consumed. He felt weak. Have, have you ever did something so much and people say, just hang in there and keep going? You've got this. Keep going. Keep going. And David's response is, he said, all the years of my life are consumed with sighing. Do you know what that is in the Hebrew, the description of that? It's a loud exhale. So this is it. You guys have been there. And I promise you, this will connect with you. You just walk away. You have that pep talk with somebody. He's like, you got it, man. You go to work. You got this situ with your kids. And then you just walk and you're just like, <sighs> there's no words to explain that. It's just an emotion that I am just so tired inside that I am exhausted. He, he, that's literally what David was describing. He said, I'm filled with sign. I exhale. I have no words. I'm messed up. I, I, I have no energy to do anything else. He said in verse 12, I am forgotten as a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel. He, he felt broken. That word broken, you'll relate to this as he is describing this. A broken vessel, it means to lose oneself. When you get so caught up in the problems, but you're supposed to be a mom or a dad. You get so much caught up in the problems, you're supposed to be a pastor or a leader. Supposed to, you get so caught up in what you're trying to deal with that David said, I am broken. Literally, I'm no good to go home and be a mom or a dad right now. I'm just so broken. 
I've lost myself. I don't know my identity anymore. I'm no good at what I used to do. He felt broken. I have heard slander of many. Fear is on every side. While they took counsel against me, they devised to take away my life. He struggled with fear. Can, Can we just lay something out there? It is faith over fear, but that doesn't eliminate fear. Do you guys know what I'm saying with that? And a lot of times sit there and say, now the Bible tells us that perfect love casts out fear, but the only way that you have to have something cast out is the fact that you wrestled with it when it came in. It is there. For you to sit there and say, your kid has cancer and you're not going to have fear, that's not true. I've had lots of fear through this. It's been a battle, a struggle. It's a mental battle, emotional battle. And a lot of you guys, with your kids growing up, with your marriage being on, uh, on the outs, it, with, with finances or your health or whatever it is, you've, you've had fear creep into your mind. Here, here's what fear is. Fear is an unpleasant emotion triggered by danger, whether real or not. It, it, it's like when you know something is wrong and that emotion that builds up inside of you that, that something bad is happening. I, I can honestly say that Jenny and I had lots of fear when it comes to the definition of this. As they were coming in, I told Jenny, I said, I hated those days uh, of waiting for test results. When, when they had the PET scan and they said, we, we don't know, we're going to do a bone op, a biopsy because we don't know if it's in his bones. Well, I'll tell you, that, that's, that there's fear in that because there's the fact that more danger could be there. They did a PET scan. They said, we don't know if it's spread throughout his body. We don't know if he has it in other places. That's fear that comes into our, our, our lives. It's real. And David was saying, I have fear on every side. He was a man after God's own heart. Yeah, and he struggled with emotions. He struggled with something that was real because he said, I have people that want to take my life. The enemy wants to take your marriage. The enemy wants to take your kids. Fear is real and it's all around us. He said, for I said in my haste, I am cut off before thine eyes. In verse 22, he struggled with doubt. Doubt is a human emotion. Doubt lingers in the back of our minds. Doubt is there. And and you say it's not powerful. Adam and Eve walked with God Worship God, talk with God in the garden. And Satan slithers in, was able to put one thing in their mind to begin to ruin everything. Do you know what it was? It was doubt. Did God really say that? Is God really answering your prayers? Does God really care about how you feel? Does God really answer those desperate times in your life? Does God really do that? And that doubt will make you step back and think that I'm all alone. Now, David said, in my haste, he said, man, I know God. But in my haste, I said, I'm cut off before thine eyes. Man, I, I felt that way in that, in that moment. But in all of this, David says in verse 14, but I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my God. Not a God or the God. He made it personal. You are my God. I, I, I thought about this with my kids and Logan and Jordan have their own cars, they have their own driver's license, but Morgan is still kind of at that stage where she kind of needs me, okay? I'll just be honest, as a dad, I like being needed. Does anybody, I, I just, 
I, I like it when Morgan comes up and we'll, we'll say, like, Dad, I need a ride. And, and, and uh, last Sunday or last Saturday, she, she spent the night over at a friend's house, and then I dropped her off. And uh, while, while she was there, she, uh, I said, do you need a ride tomorrow? She said, yeah, I do, Dad. She goes, well, can you pick me up at 9 because I'm going to be helping at the church and stuff like that? I said, yeah, I'll be here. Now, this would have bothered me, just be honest. If Morgan would have got out of the car and was over there, and she, I said, what are you doing? I'm just going to line up an Uber just in case you don't get me tomorrow. Now, if for any dad, you'd say, well, that's ridiculous. No, I want her to be able to get out of the car and know that I know my dad well enough that if my dad says something, that my dad's going to do it because I know my dad. I, I, want, I want that faithfulness to be involved in that. I want her to know the character of me. I wanted, I, I wanted to be Morgan trusted in me because she said he is my dad. David was saying I trusted in him because I know my God. I know that. Thou art my God. So my struggles are real. But David was also saying in this passage that my God is faithful. Now I know we say that a lot. I know we say all the time that my God is faithful, but I don't know if we fully understand what that means. What does it mean that God is faithful? Let, let me skip down to verse 5. I'm going to skip down to verse 5. Into thy hand I commit my spirit, thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. Now the first part of that verse is so powerful. Powerful enough that those were the last words of Jesus as he died on the cross. That's how powerful those words are. But what does that mean? At the end of it, he says, I commit my spirit and listen to what he says. In that passage, he said, O Lord God of truth. Now, truth is one of those words in the Hebrew that a lot of times we don't fully understand how much it has to, uh, to, to unpack. It's like the word love. Love in our language can be really shallow. It's like I love ice cream and I love my kids. I hope it's not on the same level, okay? That's why in the Bible we have different levels of love in different words. This word in the Bible is truth, means emet, E-M-E-T. And I'll be honest, when you understand that God is emet, the Hebrew word, which literally means all these other things, David is able to say, I know him well enough to place every emotion that I have into his hand because my God is emet. The word emet doesn't just mean truth. The word emet actually means stability. Which is basically, it's another way to describe truth. It's something that's unchanging. It's stability. It's certainty. It means that if he says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. It is truth. It's trustworthiness. I can put confidence in this because I know he cannot fail. It's faithful. What he said then would be the same thing tomorrow. What he says about his character is something that I can rely on. It's right. It's sure. My God is stable. My God is trustworthy. My God is a guarantee. That's what Dave was saying. He was explaining this as he was going through this. That's why he said in verse 17, Let me not be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon thee. Literally, I I call on you to be who you say that you're going to be. Now, let me explain the the two ways of God's faithfulness. Now, we could explain God's faithfulness forever. In, in so many different ways. But in David's uh, situation, God opens it up with two different ways that he's explaining this. And, and I, I gave you that illustration uh, of Morgan. I, I told you, Morgan, I like the fact that she kind of has to rely on me for things because she's my buddy and I like her to come up and ask me for things. But here's the thing. Morgan is about to get her temps in two weeks. 
I, I don't know how I'm old enough for my baby girl to be getting her temps. Two weeks from right now, she's going to be going to get her, uh, her, her driver permit. I'm doing this. Now, I, th- I thought about this. At that, I want her to know enough about me. If she's driving and she gets a flat tire and, and somebody says, well, what are you going to do? I want her to pull her phone out and be able to say, I know what to do. I'm going to call my dad. Well, what does that mean? Well, she's doing that knowing that she has confidence to know that, number one, if I see Morgan calling me, I'm going to answer. I, I want her to have that confidence of knowing that I know that if I reach out to my dad, my dad is he met. My dad is my stability. My dad is faithful to what he says. My dad is a constant in my life. My dad is a surety in my life. My dad is a guarantee. Mother people might let me down, but I can promise you this. If I call my dad, my dad's going to be there. And I know I'm followable. And I I told Morgan I was going to use this as an illustration and said, I just want them to know if I ever tell you I'm going to be somewhere, I'm going to be there. She said, but you'd have to tell them about the one time you were not. I was like, Morgan, do you have to bring that up? I was late one time. She rubs it in my face. But I'll tell you, dads will maybe let their kids down, but the amount of God, the faithfulness of God will never let you down. I want Morgan to be able to say, I can call my dad to fix my tire. Like, why would you call dad to fix your your tire? I know my dad. My dad is able to fix my tire. My dad loves me enough to fix my tire. I know my dad won't leave me stranded. You say, how do you know that? I know my dad. I know my dad. The, the, The very wrapping around that is a dad and a daughter. God says, you know how much greater that is with the amet of God, the faithfulness, the goodness of God when it comes to this. Two points. Let's just break down two points of his faithfulness. He said in verse 1, and then we'll go to verse 2, and then we'll be done. Man, time goes so fast. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. The word righteousness means that which is right or that which is true. He said, deliver me, dear God. I'm asking you, God, deliver me. I'm asking you to change my situation in your righteousness. Or he's saying, God, I'm going to claim what you said to be true or what you said to be right. See, what God was saying is we can have confidence in God to claim his promises. Now, guys, I I can tell you, I didn't fully understand this before, but God God has filled his word out with the promises. It's just like this. If I was to sit down with Morgan, I'd say, Morgan, I want you to understand, if you get a flat tire, I want you to call me. I will. Now she needs to take those words and write them down. I will pick you up if you ever need a ride. I will do it. Okay, dad said he will pick me up. So if I get into a time of needing to be picked up, I can look at the promise of my dad that is a met, that is faithful, and know that I can get picked up because he said so. Morgan, you're, you're never going to get into a situation that I won't carry you through something. I mean, you, 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 just, you guys can fill in the blanks, and I know I'm running out of time, but you can get the thing. She can claim what I've promised her. See, what God was saying through this is David said, I'm going to call out to you in thy righteousness, or I know that I can claim what you promised to be. Now, there's two things that you need to understand with this. You can't claim what you do not know. 
You cannot claim you do it. It's the same way as if me and Jenny were first dating and you sit there and say, hey, do you think she could make this, this recipe or whatever? I, I don't really know. I've, I, I've heard her talk about it. Now I can sit there now and be able to say, ah, Jenny could absolutely make that. I know because she made so many things. She has a reputation. I know that she could do that. A lot of times Christians struggle through hard times because they don't know the promises to claim from God. You know, if I told Morgan, I'll be there to pick you up, just call me. Listen to this. Morgan, just call me. I'll be there. And then the next day, I'm not there. And I say, well, Morgan, I told you all, you, all you have to do is call unto me and I will answer thee. You guys know where I'm going to show you that I love you. God says, call unto me and I will answer thee and I will show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Trust me. Trust me. When I say it in his word, and I've, I've learned this going through this trial with Logan. Man, I'm looking for these things as I'm going through. I was just, I, I, I'm going to claim the promises of God. I'm going to find them. Anytime that God says, I will, it's a guarantee. You know why? Because my God is faithful. My God is met. So if I'm in a dark spot and I need him, God, you said you would be this. And I claim him to be those things. I can, last night was weird. Logan went into the hospital, went into the ER, went in. They said that they thought he had pneumonia. We had to go um, leave the 12th floor to go down to the first floor to get his scans. Now, I was talking about Jen, to Jen about this, and it was like freaking me out because that is the same place that we went in to find all his scans at the very beginning when we discovered that he had cancer. Now, I know I'm just as human as you guys are, but there was something about going back into those rooms and redoing those scans because something was wrong with my son that flooded my mind full of really not great emotions. Just didn't like it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You see, I have to, in those moments, be able to know the promises of my God that I can claim his presence. And it's a guarantee, Lord, in your righteousness, I'm asking you to be with me as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Because I don't have to fear no evil because I know that your perfect love casts out fear. You need to know them. But I'll tell you this, you have to believe them. You're not going to ever claim something that you don't believe. If Morgan was to sit there and say, why don't you call your dad? Because my dad probably won't show up. If she doesn't believe that, she's not going to claim that. I think a lot of Christians, we struggle through life because we miss this. Believe his promises. Deliver me in thy righteousness because God cannot lie challenge you this week to read your Bible and anytime God says I will I, I promise you he, he says in the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and mind that is a promise of God God said that I promise you peace that goes beyond your understanding goes beyond that what man could say claim his promises and he says bow down thine ear unto me deliver me speedily be thou my strong rock for a house of defense you can claim his strength. He is faithful to this. Have you ever gotten to a place where you just say, I cannot do this anymore? I thought I hit a few spots of that through the last four and a half months. I really did. I just can't do this anymore. I'm just like so worn out emotionally and mentally and just that fear and all the other things. It's just like I'm just tired. You just get, and David was saying, he said, be thou my strength, because David was saying, I don't, I don't have the strength to be able to get up and fight this anymore. 
But he says in this, the way that he says it, he says, bow down that ear to me. Bow down that ear. It's like, Lord, come close. I'm scared. Lord, I've got, I've got a request of you. I'm asking you, bow down, deliver me speedily. God, I need you right now. I, I, can't, I can't do this anymore. Be thou my strong rock. He's claiming the promises of God and asking God, the promise of God to be, is to be my, my, my foundation. Lord, I'm falling apart. I promise you, there's people in here right now that, and the people online that are watching, you'd say, honestly, Pastor Tony, I feel like I'm falling apart. You don't have to raise your hand. I just know that it's true. I feel like I'm falling apart. David was saying, be thou my strong rock. The rock in the Bible would identify two different things. And you know, David, David's rock, give me to the rock, bring me to the rock, put me on the rock. The rock represented two things. Number one, it was a place of defense. It was a matter of put me in a place where Satan can't keep beating me down. Put me in a place where I'm defended against my enemies. Put me in a place where I feel safe. Because when you feel afraid, I promise you, one of the last things that you can do is handle what's going on around you. You don't feel safe. But it's also a place, the rock was a place of stability, meaning that I need in this moment to feel like I am not falling apart. To be able to get my breath, stop the sighing, be able to get up the next day and walk into school or walk into work or walk into parenting, knowing that I can do it. God is and will be your strength. And I can't explain it. I honestly can't explain it, but I can testify of the times that I thought that I cannot do it. And God got me through it. It is true. It is absolutely true. He said this, he said, pull me out of the net that they have laid privately for me, for thou art my strength. He went from asking God to be thou my strength to sitting there saying, you are my strength. And I can't, I can't fully explain this. I, I, I can somewhat illustrate this. Let me do this for a minute with you. I know that this is a chair. You guys know it to be a chair. It's got a reputation of being a chair. It's a chair. If I said, what is that? It's a chair. Chair is stability. Chair is a place of rest. Chair can be a place of fellowship. Can be a place of stopping. Now I know most people don't do this. You don't walk up to a chair and say, well, I wonder if it would hold me up. Every one of you walked in this room today and you just sat down in the chair. In a weird way, you, you just trusted the way that it's held you up in the past. It's going to hold you up again. It's, got, it's faithful. But like this, there's, there's faithfulness. There's strength to it. And I know that about, can I tell you something that, that we struggle with? This, this chair, in this sense, I'm not trying to mess up scripture or whatever, but it's a mat. It's, it's stability. It's faithful. It's consistency. It's more of a guarantee. You, know, you, know, you guys know what I'm saying when it comes to these things. So a, a, lot, a lot of times we can talk about God being those things sitting there and saying God is faithful and God is good and God is stable and God is strong. But that's not enough. It's not enough. David says in this passage of tying these principles together about God being his strength and claiming the promises of God, he said, into thy hand, in verse 5, I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God, of met of truth, of stability. You know, that's a very famous passage. It's what Jesus said as he was dying on the cross. Let me read it for you. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. 
and having said thus, he gave up the ghost. It's the last thing he said in the darkest hours of Jesus' public ministry. David was saying this in the darkest time of his ministry as well. He said, into thy hand, come my spirit. Now, it's, it's cool. It's, it's neat when we give God human characteristics, or they do that in the, uh, in the Bible. It's to help us understand If you ever see a child that is hurt and scared, one of the first things that they do is they run to their parent. Look at this picture to help me understand. They run to their parent and your hand reaches out to the hand. Now, let me tell you, a lot of times in this situation, mom and dad, they have no ability to change whatever thing that just happened from there. But it's something about running to the parent, to that extended hand that we give to say, hey, I'll comfort you. I'll be there for you because in the hand of the one reaching out is the it's it's power. It's security. It's 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 stability. And then they, they wrap their arms around in the, the arms or the hands of God of knowing that there's something special there and knowing that God has his hand, but he said, In my in my fear, I commit, I place my fear. He said, My spirit. You know what the spirit is? The spirit is your fear. It is your brokenness. It is your doubt. It is all the emotions that are going in. It's all those feelings and everything like that. And the thing that we try to do is we place our problem, like I want rid of it. We give it to God. It doesn't work that way. David said, into thy amet, into thy faithfulness, into thy promises, I place my spirit, or put it like this, my mind, I put here. No, don't want to lose you. When you are with your God and you say, God, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. And you confess and you're honest and you're real and you're open before God. And you say, you promise to be my peace and you promise to promise to be my strength. You promised I find a place mentally to rest. I can't explain it. I just know it's real. I find a place of security. I find a place of comfort. And I know that it cannot fail because my God does not fail. So Lord, into Thy hand, or the extended promise, the extended of your faithfulness, I commit my fear and my failure and my frustration and my anxiety. God, I'm going to mentally place it and rest upon everything that you said that you would be. Now, can I tell you that this is a spiritual application that a chair with a pastor sitting in is not going to illustrate. It must be you and your Bible and a time with God, being honest with God and telling him what you're going through and you in that moment placing yourself into the hand of the one that will never fail you. It's got to be experienced. You have to be able to say in that minute, he is my God. And my God is faithful.